We are really excited about At The Movies, and so what makes it work is when you invite your friends. Um, I don't know if we want to invite our really weird friends or not. That's a little <laughs> scary, but um, no, seriously, what makes it work is when you invite your friends to come. And it's a great, it's fun, it's a great experience, and God will speak to you and your friends through it. So we hope you'll be part of At The Movies. But today, we are continuing in our message series called Why Not Now? It's a series where we are talking very practically. We're talking about some very practical issues in life, things that you and I can use some help on. We need to maybe get stronger in and just very practical ways uh, that God's word speaks to us and encourages us to to move forward. And what I've discovered is that um, sometimes it only takes very small changes to bring very big results, right? And so maybe it's just some adjustments here or there that can really have big impact in your life. And if you doubt that, just think about the impact that tornadoes and hurricanes have and all their devastation. But guess what? Termites destroy more than all of those other things combined, right? And they're just very small. And so in a positive way, make some small changes and adjustments. And this series is reminding me of something. Um, I am currently teaching my daughter how to drive, my teenage daughter. So just, you know, that's exciting. My prayer life is deeper than it's been in a long time, you know. I'm feeling really close to Jesus, like I can meet it. You know, she's doing great. She's watching right now, uh, recovering at home. So um, I love you, sweetheart. Um, but it reminds me of when I learned to drive in summer school. Um, I think it was between my sophomore and junior year in high school. And um, I remember the way that worked for us is uh, all the people who were in my little group, uh, we would go and pile in the car with the teacher, and that was Coach Beach. He was the basketball coach for our high school. And so we'd get in the car, and what Coach would do is he would sit in the passenger seat, put on his sunglasses, recline his seat, and say something deep like, take me to Burger King. And so our job was to drive him and get him and everybody else to Burger King alive. Um, and then when we get there, we'd go through the drive through and all of us would have to pull our money together and buy coach lunch. Um, that's just the way it worked back when I was in high school. Um, it's just what, what we did. And uh, so I remember one day it was my turn to drive. Honest, true story. It was my turn to drive and Coach Beach was reclined and had his glasses on and we're heading to Burger King. And I had to make a left turn to get into the Burger King, which meant... Uh, I had to cross traffic that was coming toward me. There was oncoming traffic, right? And so as I'm, as I'm waiting, I see cars coming, and I'm waiting till it's safe to cross. And then, and then there's a car that's coming, and I can't really tell how fast it's coming. And, and it, it ends up it's slower than I expected. But, you know, you're nervous, right? And so I wasn't sure, should I go or not go? And, and uh, so I kind of waited, and about that time, another car kind of came right behind it, so I'm waiting. And, and the next thing I knew, I could see out of the corner of my eye, Coach Beach set up in his chair. And I'm still waiting for cars, and then after a while, I can tell out of the corner of my eye that he's looking out the windshield and looking at me, and looking out the windshield and looking at me, and looking out, and I can feel the tension, right? And, and so finally, um, I get to a point where I feel like it's safe to turn, and I start to, to leave, and he goes, wait, 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 wait! It scared me. I hit the brakes. I said, what is it, coach? And I'm going to put this in Mechanicsville terms so you'll get it. He says this. He goes, I think there's one in Ashland that's getting ready to come this way. <laughs> if, if you want to just wait for that one, too. <laughs> Anybody else have a moment like that? Like a teachable moment, you know? 
You see, I, I was waiting for perfect conditions, right, to know that it was safe to turn. And listen, here's the challenge with us. And many times God reveals things to us through his word, and we know what we should do, but we're waiting for perfect conditions to pull the trigger. We're waiting for something, to all the stars to align for us to say yes and do what we've known for a long time we should do. That's what this series is about. That's why we're doing this series, Why Not Now? Why not make the changes now that you know are going to help you? Because the scripture says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never do anything. If we wait for perfect conditions, we will never get anything done. So why not now? Today, God's going to challenge you to do some things, and it's going to be difficult. But my answer, my question to you is why not now? In fact, if we, we're talking about perfect conditions, there are perfect conditions brewing right now that are creating what I would call a perfect storm in our nation. You know, um, there's some good economic news. Um, you know, you and I are making, on average, 3.4% more than we made last year. Um, that's good, right? We're, we're there, you know, except that inflation um, over last year is now 9.1% higher, more than two-thirds higher than our income. In fact, food is up 9%. Gasoline, you all know it, 48% increase over the last year. Do you know that already in this year, more than $7 trillion have been lost in the stock market. Families are beginning to fall behind. The average household in America now has $146,000 of debt, more than $6,000 of credit card debt alone. It's a perfect storm, and we're, we're beginning to feel the crunch. Families are falling behind. We, we're under pressure. And I'm not saying this to discourage us or to, to add to our worry. What I want to say is it's real and it's happening, and I want you to know two things. One, you're not alone in feeling the pinch of what you're feeling. In fact, look around you, look beyond the plastic smiles that most of us are wearing, and, and if we're honest, we'd say, yeah, it's hard right now. It's difficult Making, making ends meet in, in many ways. The second thing I want you to know is this. God understands, and he's right with you. He cares about what you're facing today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God understands? He knows the pressure you're feeling? I just want to pray over you for a moment. Uh, can I just do that? Uh, just because of this perfect storm that's happening in our culture. God, I'm thankful to you that nothing happens that's um, beyond your awareness doesn't mean you wanted all those things to happen, but God, you, you knew and you already have a plan to redeem. And, and so Lord, I pray you would give grace to people today that just need grace. You'd give them patience. You'd give them the ability to trust you. And I pray that you'll take this word today that was decided months ago, but I pray you'll, you'll, you'll take this word today and use it very strategically in our lives to help us uh, partner with you and to, to let you walk with us through even this difficult season. Thank you for being with these great folks today. Open our minds now to hear what you're saying and our hearts to really believe what your word tells us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Will you just say amen with me? Amen. That means, Lord, let it be in my heart. So today, I want to share a message with you in this series. Uh, the series is Why Not Now? And the message title is this, Slay the money God. 
slay the money God. That's right. I'm going to preach about money today. If you're a guest with us today, you're, you're like, oh, great. I showed up on that day, right? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. I just want you to know, literally, we basically never preach about this. Like maybe once a year we talk about this. And so, so I just want you to know that. Take my word. I hope you will. But how do we respond in these moments, in this season where we're being, being stretched and pulled. I want to help you with this in a, certain, in a couple ways. So if you're taking notes, and we all know note takers are world changers. So take notes. It'll help you retain and, and remember what God's word says. In your notes, I want you to draw a box. Just draw a simple box if you're really, you know, um, you can draw a 3D box if you're really artistic if you want to. Just, just draw a simple box. Now, here's what I want you to imagine what goes in that box is what is most valuable to you. What is most important to you is what you put in that box. It's your box. You put whatever you want to in that box. And over the span of our lives, we tend to try to cram as much as we can into that box. We cram things like, um, like family, a good, you know, healthy, good family relationships. We cram things like maybe there's church, maybe it's recreation and the boat and, and the enjoyment and fishing or whatever those things are. We, we cram um, a health, uh, a physical health and, and being in shape and we cram our recreation and sports. We, we cram as much in there and we call that success. That's what our culture says is success. And what we discover over time is that so many of those things that we cram into the box hinge on money. They hinge on having enough wealth, having enough money to do what we want to do, to even be able to spend more time with our family so we're not working all the time. Um, all, much of these things, it begins to revolve around money. And if we're not careful, the dollar sign will represent this success mode by a dollar sign. That is what gets put in our box. Maybe not consciously, but it's what we end up spending our energy doing, working all the time, thinking about, fretting over, worrying. And if we're not careful, that is what gets put in our box. But I know this because I'm old enough. Long about the 30, 40 years, you know, the third or fourth decade of our lives, we start to get this feeling like maybe we have success. Maybe we have all this stuff. We've achieved these things that we wanted to achieve. But we begin to feel like something is missing. There, there, there's something else that isn't quite, and we try to maybe get a little more of this or a little more of that, but yet we still feel like something is missing. That recognition, that revelation is really a word from God. God is saying there's more than the stuff in your box. There's more to life. In fact, it's, a, it's an invitation from God into a life that is wildly more fulfilling than anything the world's success can give us. And so it's God's invitation to, instead of having a dollar sign, we'll, we'll represent God as being what is most important in our life. We'll represent that with a cross. And so you and I have a decision. We get to choose what goes in our box. Because here's the thing. There can only be one thing in the box. There's only one thing that is most important to us. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Only one thing goes in the box. So the question is, what's it going to be? You know, as Jesus is talking about this, Luke captures his words. And you might notice in your passage, in your, in, in your Bible, or maybe you're looking at it on the app, that that word money, it might be capitalized. Or it might even be a different word, depending on the translation you're looking at. It may say mammon. Kind of a strange word. You cannot serve God and mammon. Or you cannot serve God and money with a capital F. The reason it's like that is because the word that Jesus used there is the word mammon. It's an Aramaic word. That was Jesus' native language on when he was on earth. And, and, and that word comes from the name of a god, a Syrian false god, the god of riches, the god of wealth. And in Aramaic, that word then, the word mammon, came to mean confidence in wealth or confidence, having confidence in riches. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying you can either trust in God or you can trust in money, but you cannot trust in both. We will either serve God or we will serve money. We're going to serve one of the two. One of those two goes in our box, but you can't serve both. Now see what mammon does Mammon tempts us to trust money instead of trusting God. Are you getting this? I'm getting blank stares today um, as we're talking about this. That, that's all right. I know this is, this is like stepping on toe territory. I get it. But this, this spirit, this idea, this mammon, it, it tempts us to trust in our money, in our bank account, rather than trusting God. Mammon absolutely opposes God. In fact, mammon speaks to you every time you want to give something, every, every time you want to give to the church, or every time you want to give to a charity, or maybe it's somebody you know that's in need, and you want to give, but, but there's this feeling, this sense like, oh, maybe I better not. Maybe, maybe I won't have enough. Maybe I should hold back and not give. That's man. Listen, for some of you, mammon is speaking to you right now. And it's, it's saying this. It's saying, uh-huh, I know the church. That's all they're interested in is my money. That's a spirit of mammon that's speaking to you right now. If you've been around our church, you know that we speak about this maybe one time a year. Maybe. Um, that's just it. I want you to know, pastors, we have no idea who gives, who doesn't give. It's none of our business. That's between you and the Lord. So we don't know any of that. We don't have any of that information. But today, here's, here's what I want you to be aware of. I want you to think of. Maybe you'll hear something today that you've never heard before. Or maybe, maybe you'll listen to something that you've never really paid attention to before. And it could be a key to changing a lot of wonderful things in your life. Are you willing to go with me on this journey? I hope you will. I truly hope you will. So the question is, what goes in your box? Will you rely on money or will you rely on God? Now, let me give you a couple quick, little, two little principles about this before we get into some practical steps, practical points. The first principle is this, and it's no, uh, no rocket science newsflash. Wealth can evaporate quickly, right? Any, any, anybody else discovered this? I mean, it, it, it comes hard. Sometimes it's difficult to amass, but then it can go away so easily. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11. It says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Have you ever, you know, had your bank account kind of in a good place? It's, it's kind of flush and, you know, it feels pretty good, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident, you know. We could handle some storms and some things that come. And, and have you ever discovered it don't take much to rock the boat, right? Like, 
You can be feeling pretty good, and then the next minute you're flushed because things have disappeared um, a lot faster than you expected. In fact, just a few chapters over in Psalm 23, verse 4, listen to what it says. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Listen, cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Right? Anybody can attest to that? Anybody had some eagles flying out of your uh, bank account recently? We've, we, it's so easy for that to happen. It, it can happen so quickly. In fact, the Bible uh, tells us this. And then, and then what I understand from statistics, get this. The average household right now in America, could 40% of Americans right now, if they have a $400 unexpected expense, would not be able to cover that in the moment. $400. 40% of us. That's how quickly money can go. And yet we tend to put our trust in it. And it moves away so fast. There's a second principle from the Bible that I want you to, to catch. And this is really, really important for us. And that is, we must learn contentment. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul talks about contentment there. And it's so important for us to get this. We must learn Contentment. Philippians chapter 4, beginning to read in verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. What he's saying is that I've received, uh, he, he has received an offering from the church at Philippi. They're supporting his missionary work and what he's doing right now. And so he's received an offering. But catch this. I rejoice greatly that at last you renewed your concern. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned, everybody say learned. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Paul says we need to learn to be content. Now, Paul, it's interesting. Paul says here, I'm, I'm not really in need. I mean, it's, it's really, what, what he's saying is I don't really need your help. I mean, uh, what I'm really excited about is the fact that something has obviously happened in your life that you are being generous, that you're blessing me. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But, but he's saying that. But here's the interesting thing. Paul was in need. Paul was in prison when he was writing this letter to them. He was facing a, a very expensive trial um, uh, at that time. Uh, he was under the threat of death. And there were fellow Christians who were fighting against Paul and his trying to bring the gospel. I mean, he was in bad shape. He was in a bad place. And yet he says, I've learned the secret to being content. You know, it's interesting. We understand what it is to, be, to, to have to learn contentment when we don't have very much. Like, like it has value. Right? Like it teaches us to be patient. Um, it teaches us to do what Pastor Joseph was talking about two weeks ago. We learn to not covet other people's stuff. It's like we learn to be satisfied with what God has given us. But notice what Paul says. And, and I want you to add this to what you've written down. We must learn to be content with little and with plenty. We have to learn how to be content all right, we get it with a little when we don't have much. That makes sense. But what? We have to learn how to be content when we have an abundance? When we have a lot? 
I mean, contentment keeps us in the right frame of mind. It, it helps us to be patient. It helps us to learn and to grow in, in those ways. But contentment, I mean, I mean uh, but plenty, it really doesn't teach us any, anything. In fact, can, having plenty is more of a test of our character than having very little. What are we going to do when we have an abundance? How are we going to respond? So Paul says we have to learn how to be content when we have plenty. And the reason is because of our human nature, we always want more. Right? You know, a very wise man over 2,500 years ago said it this way. Socrates said, he who is not content with what he has will not be content with what he would have. I hear a few mmms on that. Yeah, do you, do you get it? Do you understand what he's saying? If we don't learn to be content with what we have right now, if we get what we hope we get, we're not going to be content with that either because we always want a little bit more. So the Bible challenges us to learn to be content, whatever our circumstance. Now, Paul tells us right there in verse 13 of Philippians 4, he says, I've learned to be content. And what is it? I'm content in Christ. I can be content in any circumstance because of Christ. What Paul is saying is Jesus is what's in my box. And if Jesus is in my box, then it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I still find my contentment in him. Can I get an amen from somebody who knows what I'm talking about? He is contentment in my life. He is my source of contentment. So, this is what the rest of this message is about. How do we take the dollar sign out of our box and put the cross in? What do I do to slay this money God once and for all? I want to give you four practical steps that the Bible gives to help us slay the money God. And the first one is going to be found in the book of Malachi. It's right at the end of the Old Testament. Um, if you'll open to the book of Malachi, chapter 3, it's easy to find if you go to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew just go back about three pages, and you'll find Malachi chapter 3. Are you tracking with me? This is an important message for today. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to share this with you. I'll explain more of that in just a little bit. Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. Here's what the Bible says. This is God speaking through his prophet. I, the Lord, do not change so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests and devouring, and from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty." Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. 
What am I saying? The first, and listen, this is key to everything else I'm going to say today. The very first directive that God gives us if we want to slay the money, God, is this. We return our first tenth of our income to God. That's what the Bible says. We return the first tenth of our income to God. Now, before I go any further on this, uh, this first and this key point, I want you to hear this clearly. For those of you that are part of MCC already, you guys, so many of you have apparently got this down. Like I said, we don't know who gives and who doesn't, but I'll just say this. Even over the last two and a half years of up and down and brief closures and all that, your giving has remained faithful and steady, and you are to be applauded. I just want to say, MCC, way to go. You guys have been so faithful. And so I want to say thank you on behalf of all the other pastors for that, okay? You know, this is kind of exciting. This was even prior to COVID. Do you know that it's been going on three years since we've ever even taken an offering in this church? We don't even pass an offering. We mention it every week. You can give as God lays on your heart to give and several ways to do that. But we don't even do an offering anymore. It's just awesome what you're doing. And I want to say thank you for that. I also want to just mention those of you that are giving, maybe you do it through recurring giving online. That's how I give. It's automatically set up to happen. Um, well, I just want to encourage you in the next several weeks, we're going to be upgrading our database. Our church is growing and we need a, a database that's going to serve the, the, our needs better. And it's also going to put some great tools in your hands for more information and more engagement with us. So you'll be hearing more about that. But for those of you that are giving in recurring giving, it's going to require you to kind of set that up again in a different setting, in a, in, in a different system. It's very easy to do, but that's coming in a few weeks. So I just wanted to give you a heads up. It'll be a month or so out, but we'll be talking with you about that. So just kind of be looking for that. But again, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Many of you have this, but even for many of us that have dealt with this money, God, there are still some tweaks. There's some things that you and I can do to grow forward. So let's, let's talk. Let's talk about this giving. This is a big deal. The first tenth of all of our income, we return to God. That, that feels like a lot of money. This is what we're supposed to do. Give it back, put it into the local church. It's returning. Because here's the deal. If you and I, if our confidence is in money, if it's in our wealth, we will always live lives of anxiety and worry. We'll always wonder, do I have enough? Am I going to make it? What if this happens? What if that happens? Can I, can I get a witness? Anybody? We live like that, right? But if we can slay that money God and begin to trust in God, we can trust not only that he'll do what he says, that he will provide, but this is so important. We can trust his character. And this is the truth about God. God is after your heart, not your money. God is after your heart, not your money. Honestly, God doesn't need our money. He's God. <laughs> He's after our heart. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And God knows that for most of us, for many of us, our treasure is our wealth. And so God says, all right, then I'm going to help you release your, your clinging to wealth, your clinging to money as your source of confidence and trust. What's in your box. What is the treasure that, that you're clinging to? Now, listen, I, I know sharing this message can, can seem tone deaf because of what's happening in our culture and, and that we're already wrestling and struggling with 
filling the tank with gas. I mean, that hurts every time you fill up the car, right? Uh, making rent. Rents are going crazy right now through the roof. And, and, and I know it's difficult. And this may sound tone deaf, but, but like I said, a couple, this was, we decided we, I'd, I'd preach on this several months ago. But here's the deal. Listen, I want you to catch this. This is so important. If you're like me, you're already praying and talking to God more about your finances than you were right? Like, like I'm already thinking more and more, God, help me, help me to make ends meet, help me to do this. What a perfect time to say, God, it's already crunch time. Help me to just go all in in trusting you. Not just a little bit, but help me to just trust you like you tell me to, to try to follow your plan and just see what happens. So honestly, um, if you're a guest with us, we don't talk about this very often. I'm not going to apologize for it because listen, it would be unkind of us as pastors to not teach these principles because you'll be missing out on a way that God blesses us. So returning the first tenth, God wants to bless you as you return the first tenth. Now there are two tests that are happening through this and, and I want you to catch this. The first test is this, God is testing us with the first tenth. He's testing us. Will we return to him what belongs to him? Now, I won't take time to read it, but it'll show up on the screen. First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, First Chronicles chapter 29. The scripture says this, all of the glory belongs to God, but it also says this, all of the wealth, all of the treasure, all of it, everything in heaven and earth belongs to God. Can I just tell you, everything you and I have, it actually belongs to God anyway. Did you know that Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, Moses spoke this. He said, it is God who gives you and me the ability to produce wealth. That means you work hard for your money. I do too. We all work hard for our money. But guess what? It is God that gives us the breath and the strength and the know-how and the knowledge to work for that. It is God. It all belongs to God. And so Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10 says it this way. It says, so return the first fruits of your labors to the Lord. And if you do that, then it says you will overflow with the harvest. You'll overflow. You'll have an abundance of what you need if you return the first fruits. Now that's important. It's an important principle. It's not the leftover tenth. It's the first tenth. Do you see that? I do this first. I'm going to honor God with it. I'm going to give it to God first and trust him for the rest. It's not what's left over. Because how many of you find out you ain't going to have anything left over, right? It's the truth. And, and there's a beautiful principle. I won't take time to preach it. I'd love to. But if you go back even to the little boy's lunch where Jesus fed thousands of people on this little lunch, what did they do with what they had? They brought what they had to Jesus first. And it says that he took it, he blessed it, and then he broke it and he gave it back to them. What, what does it mean he broke it? It means they got back less than they gave him. They just got back a portion of it, but the portion was blessed and it multiplied way beyond what they could have imagined, right? So we give it to the Lord first. He blesses that first tenth and then he provides and multiplies. Now that's a good principle. That's worth coming just right there. Just, if you just kind of walk away with that today, that's enough. You know, the Bible, throughout the Bible, that number 10 is a, is a word of testing. It's a number of testing throughout the Bible. Help me with this. Like, how many plagues were there in Egypt testing Pharaoh, and would they let his people go? 10 plagues. Do you know that uh, Daniel was tested how many times? 10 times when he was in Babylon. The Bible says Jacob's wages were changed by Laban how many times? 
10 times. Jesus told a story in the New Testament about virgins. There were some that were prepared and some that weren't. How many virgins were there all together? 10. How many disciples were there? Aha! <laughs> just testing you, just making sure you're tracking with me. 12 disciples. God uses that number. It, it, it's a test. God is testing you and me. Listen, the other test is this. This is huge. We test God through tithing. Did you know that? Go back and look at what it says there in Malachi chapter 3. Look at what verse 10 says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. <gasps> test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing. Now notice the words, and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. Do you know this? What is God saying? God is saying, I dare you. Nina, 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 I dare you. No, he's not saying Nina, 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 but he is saying, he's saying, I dare you, test me in this and see. Do you know this is the only time in the Bible where we are allowed or encouraged to test God in any way? And it has to do with our finances. Why? Because God is after our hearts, not our money. So God says, test me, and he will provide. How does he provide? Verse 11 is a huge way he provides. It says he prevents loss. Did you catch that? Your fruit won't fall to the ground too early. It won't fall. You know, my wife is living this right now. Poor thing. I, I hate this for her. She has missed out on getting a new washer, a new dryer, and a new dishwasher. Um, uh, because, why? Because thanks to the Lord and thanks to YouTube, I've been able to fix all of those things for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> now look, you might say, well, Pastor Dwayne, that's you, not God. Listen, if you knew how mechanically disinclined I am, you know God is involved <laughs> in keeping those things running. What I'm saying is that God will prevent things from falling apart, from wearing out. Do you know that the, the Israelites traveled for 40 years in the wilderness and the Bible says their shoes and their clothes never wore out? So that's one of the ways God provides for us. God absolutely makes provision. And then verse 10 in this, he says, I'll also pour blessing into your life. I'll pour blessing. Now, now we gotta be really careful here. Let me just hit this really quickly. Motive matters. It's your, your motive in this is a huge deal. There have been, unfortunately, some people, some, some very flamboyant preachers and well-known people that have, have made a living trying to, to well, I'm not going to say that, but they've just made a living out of twisting these words to say, if you give, you will get. That's not what scripture is saying. They take words that Jesus preached, like in, in Luke chapter six, where he says, if you give, it will be poured back into your lap, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And that's absolutely true what Jesus is saying. But they take that to say, we're going to give so that we can get. The Bible absolutely says that's wrong. In fact, James chapter four, he says it this way. He says, sometimes when you ask for something, you don't receive it because you only want to get it and spend it on your own pleasures. The motive matters. Absolutely matters. And so what, what folks, when they take that scripture out of context, context, what they don't realize is that if you look back at the 10 verses leading up to that scripture that Jesus said, what he's talking about is giving to people without expecting anything in return. 
He's talking about sharing with people who need something, who need help, and you're able to resource them and meet a need. That's what he's talking about. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. God will provide for you as you serve others. It's a heart thing. It's not a bank account thing. You see, tithing is God's mechanism for blessing us and for blessing others. I hope you get that. I hope you'll understand that. And, and I know some of us, we bristle at this idea. Man, it's Old Testament. And, you know, even though Jesus reaffirmed it in the New Testament. Or no, that's living under law, not under grace. Well, guess what? Under grace, it says everything belongs to God, not just the first tenth. You want to live under that? Go for it. <laughs> My point is, God is after our heart. And what Malachi promises is that as we give with the right motive, as we return the first tent that already belongs to God, he will bless us. And it opens the door for us then to be generous with others. So I've spent all this time on that first point, and I've got three more points, and they're very brief. So don't get worried. You're going to get to lunch. I promise you. All right? But, but here's the thing. If we don't understand the hinge of tithing, that it is God's mechanism that opens the door for provision in our lives and for generosity. We're gonna, we're not, none of the rest of these things are ever going to happen. So we've got to understand that, that God's after our heart, not our money. And then it opens the door to do these other three practical steps. So number two, after we return what belongs to God, the first tenth, then secondly, we give beyond the tithe. Now we're able to give. Because God is meeting our needs in such a way that we're able to move beyond that. If you'll open your, uh, move in your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I know I ask this uh, frequently when I'm preaching. Are you still with me or have you already quit listening? I hope you're still with me online. I hope you're tracking. I hope you're with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm telling you, small changes can make huge impact. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Look what Paul says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Notice what he's talking about here. It's not tithing. It's not about returning that first tenth to God. He's talking about generosity. He's talking about giving Beyond that, and I'll show you why, we should give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written in the, in the book of Psalms, he says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he, Paul continues, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can what? Be generous. Say it with me again. Be generous on every occasion. And through us, the generosity will also result in thanksgiving to God. What is he saying? He's saying we are now, because we have slain the money God, because that is no longer what's in our box, God is providing enough for us now so that we can be generous with others. Did you catch in, in Malachi chapter 3 that it said, I will give you enough blessing that there will not be room to hold it? 
Not be room to hold on to it, to contain it. God wants to bless us, not so we can just hoard it all up, but so that we can be generous, Paul says here, on every occasion. We can live lives of generosity. You see, giving begins after we've returned the first tenth. And now I begin to give. Maybe that's to missions uh, locally or regionally or around the world. Maybe it's your favorite charity. Maybe it's, it's, it's whatever that, that, that God moves on your heart to give to. That's great. You're, you're giving from your heart. At MCC, we, we call this a value of ours. It's one of the ways we respond to God. We practice generosity. We talk about that in our membership. We got 20 people or so that are coming to our membership class right after this. I hope you still come after I preach about money. Um, uh, but we, we talk about the ways we respond to God's goodness. And one of them is that we practice generosity. We believe in the biblical principle of returning the first tenth and then giving over and above that. Let generosity become your lifestyle. And it'll, it, it's a beautiful opportunity. I'm just going to share this really quickly. I was just on vacation a few weeks ago and out of town, and I was filling up the car with gas and, um, you know, kind of holding my nose and closing my eyes and, and um, just, you know, because it's you know, just ringing up or whatever. And, and a lady pulls up in this, this rickety van, and she doesn't speak hardly any English, but I can tell she's asking me, would I help her with gas? And... Um, and so I, I was thinking about it in those moments. I kind of pray about it and, and just ask God, is this a real deal or not? And, and just, do you want me to do this or not? You know, and I was glad my, my daughter wasn't with me because she would have been saying, dad, don't be a sucker. Don't, you know, um, she's just very real world. I love, you know, she just gets it, you know. And, and I, I was thinking like, well, I, I think I'm supposed to help. And, um, and so I thought I'm on vacation. God's blessed us to be able to go on vacation. I need to be generous with someone else just out of thankfulness to God, right? And so I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. What happened was, as I talked with her, I said, well, you know what? Um, I think she was getting it. I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I'm going to do this kind of as an offering to Jesus because he's been so good and he loves us so much. And so, you know, whatever you do with this money, uh, if you need it or not, with the gas, and putting it, that's between you and God. You just have to answer to God for that. Uh, but I was able to kind of give her the gospel in that moment uh, of generosity and then, and then just do it. And then so I got back and I, I finally told uh, my wife and daughter about it and they gave me a hard time. But um, <laughs> not because they're not generous, because <laughs> they know I'm a sucker. Um, <laughs> they, they know me. Um, but, but what I love is when God provides for us amply, it creates the opportunity for us to be generous. And it puts a thankfulness in our heart. Like, you know, yeah, I don't have, listen, if you think, by the way, if you think I have it all together in, in, this, in this regard and all this stuff, I'm not trying to come across that way. I don't even know where all the parts are, let alone having it all together, okay? So, so I'm just saying, when God blesses you, when you take the first step, he says, test me in this and we can trust him and he'll give you enough to be generous. Number three, practical step, here it is. Save, I'll say it this way, be generous for yourself. For your future self. Save some for the future, right? Give beyond returning of the tithe. Go ahead and give, and then save some for your future self. You don't do this out of fear. It's not out of miserliness, like I got to make sure, you know, I pile up enough or whatever. No, it's not about that. Um, it's about recognizing, though, that it only makes sense. In fact, if you go back to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 21, um, here's what Here's what the scripture says there. Oh, it's, it's Proverbs 21, 20. Sorry, I had that backward. Verse 20 says this. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. That's, that's about as practical as you can get, huh? Save some 
for the future. And I'm going to just borrow a little bit for just a moment from Dave Ramsey and some of his principles. And let me just encourage you on this savings thing. Let me encourage you to do a couple of things. Um, work hard and save $1,000 and just make that your emergency fund. Just, just put that somewhere where it's not easy to spend, where you can't really get to it easily, but it's there for emergencies. Just put aside $1,000. And then after that, start paying off your debt. Start paying off what you owe because that debt is going to kill you with interest. Um, it, it's just going to keep pulling you down and keep being a hassle. And here's the thing. Um, it's only after we pay off our debt that we can really start saving. Why? Because any money that's in your savings account, if you owe money, that's not your money. It doesn't even belong to you. That's money. That's somebody else's money. Um, in your bank account, it's not even your own money. So, so pay off your debt, and then how do you start saving? Take the same money, the payments that you were paying on that debt, don't stop making them, but just make them to yourself. Pay into your own savings account and begin to save and begin to build up. Not out of fear, not out of worry, it's just a wise thing to do. If you'd like more details on that, email me and I can connect you with people in our church who lead the Financial Peace University uh, kind of ministry small group. They'll be glad to help you and help you take some next steps and understand more details about that. Love to try to help you with that. Fourth and final practical step. Tithing is the hinge to being able to do all of these things, really. And this is so important for all of us to get this. Number four, the Bible says, spend reasonably. For many of us, this is the bugaboo. This is the challenge. This is the difficulty. Like we can do all these other things, but yet, man, when we see something, we just go for it. We just, we just go at it, right? But the Bible has, a, has something to tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Look how Paul talks about this. He said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income and then save it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What is Paul saying? He's talking about giving here, but look at the principle. He's saying the first day of the week, think forward. I've got to set aside some money. He's talking about a budget. He's talking about budgeting for yourself. Listen, a budget will help you. If you will create a budget and you will stick with it, it will absolutely help you. And I know this is not rocket science. This is not new. But for many of us, that's the step we need to take because we're just spending money here. We're spending money there and, and we don't realize it. This verse I have over my, over my desk at, at work because it reminds me to always be looking ahead. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurry puts you further behind. If you wait to the last minute to buy stuff, if you wait to the last minute to plan for things, you're always going to end up spending more than you intended to, more than you had to. Anybody ever had that problem? I have. You waste so much. Think through it. Allow God to help you budget. Avoid the last minute spending. And that could mean for you and me, and this is very practical, but it's a way for you to know, am I growing in this? You might add some words like this to your vernacular, to your language. You might say something like, no. <laughs> Commonly held belief that that's a dirty word. It's not. <laughs> you might add a word like this, a phrase like this. Yes, but let's wait. Let's wait. What does that mean? That means I'm being patient. I'm willing to wait until we can afford to do something. I'm willing to wait until it's the right time. I'm not going to simply acquiesce to the need, to the, to, the, to the want of the moment. 
If you and I can do some of these practical steps, friends, it'll open the door for living generous lives and we'll find that God makes the ends meet. Like I told you, my wife and I have been married some 30, it'll be 34 years next month. And we know from experience, we cannot live on 100% of our income, but we can live on 90% of our income. It's just a principle. It doesn't make sense on paper, but it makes sense in heaven. So my question to you is this, what is in your box? Dollar sign or the cross? Am I trusting in money or am I trusting in Christ? Only you get to decide what goes into your box and how you live, what you think about, what you focus on, the reason you get up in the morning to work, all of those things, they're either gonna hinge on your trust on money and wealth or your trust in Christ. I wanna challenge you in a loving way to be willing to say, I'm gonna test God in this and just see what he does. And my big question for you is, why not now? Why not slay that God of money now? Will you please stand with me? You've been so gracious. You've been patient to listen to this long sermon today. But here's the thing. For you and me, listening is good. It's the beginning of something. But until we take action, nothing will ever change. Nothing will change until you and I take action. Maybe you need to look into tithing and test God. Try it for a month. Just see what God does. Why not? In this culture, what do you got to lose? <laughs> maybe you need to work. Maybe you're doing that, but maybe you're not being quite as generous with other people. Maybe God, maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about helping someone that you know is in need, but, but you've been kind of listening to that voice that says, oh, what if you don't have enough? And yet you know God is talking to you. He's put it on your heart to help someone who needs some help. Maybe you just need to work on being generous. Maybe you need to, to work on a budget, discover, hey, I can, I can plan my spending. I can, I can really kind of work through this. I, I don't know what the adjustment is that you need to make today. But my question is, why not now? Why not tame that thing now? Lord Jesus, I thank you because for whatever reason, even for first-time guests here today, you had them here on this day when for once in a whole year we're speaking about this concept of, of what you've told us about giving and returning to you. So God, I leave that in your hands. I'm not embarrassed by this at all because it's principles from your word. I just ask you, God, that you would help us now to receive what you have spoken to us and help each of us to respond in whatever way, practical, pragmatic way, you're telling us to respond right now. I pray for your grace on these words, that people will remember what is valuable. And, and uh, Lord, if there's anything I've said that isn't worth remembering, God, just take it away. Take it from their memories, I pray. But Lord, don't let us forget that you've given us a way through these kinds of seasons. Help us to take you up on your dare and to trust you. We will test you in this, Lord. And I believe we're gonna see you faithful so that we can not only have our own needs met, but that we can be a blessing and generous with others, like Paul said, on all occasions. Help us to be those kind of believers. It's in the name of Christ. I bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. 
We've got one last week in this series. Pastor Matt will be finishing up next week. We'll see you then. God bless you.